0: And definitely check out those shows as well. Dandapani is the author of The Power of Unwavering Focused. He is a Hindu priest, entrepreneur, and former monk of 10 years. An internationally renowned speaker and world leading expert on leveraging the human mind to create life and purpose and joy, Dandapani has shared the stage with world renowned leaders such as Hillary Clinton, Ban Ki moon, and former French president Francois Hollande. He and his wife are currently creating a 33-acre retreat center and botanical garden in Costa Rica to further their mission of inspiring personal growth and self-transformation. Welcome, Dandapani. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the power of unwavering focus.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: This is the most needed guidebook today. I feel like no one has... like It's so hard for people to focus in on anything, and our attention is so all over the place and I was literally like yeah. running around I was like telling my kids I was like you guys I can't even read the book the power of unwavering focus because I can't even focus on it because I'm doing too many other things so anyway it's uh, it was really funny and perfectly timed so thank you for this
1: you're most welcome no I I of all the things I think we need to learn one of the first things we need to learn first is the ability to focus you know when I was talking to a few publishers before picking one one of the publishers asked me why do you think your book is so important and I said, well, in in the world of books, and I'm no expert in the world of books, I can only imagine two things that are important. One is the ability to read. And second is the ability to focus, because if I can't focus on a page long enough, how am I actually going to get the essence of what the author is trying to tell me, be it on relationships, business, whatever it may be? So if I can't focus, like you said, I can't sit down long enough to even read the book to learn from it. So reading and the ability to focus are like mandatory criterias to get started.
0: Yes. <laughs> you start the book by giving us your very interesting background and in how you were a monk and how you left. Yes. And the next thing you know, you're consulting to entrepreneurs and you've basically found the secret sauce of how to live the best life and that the, the quest for happiness. Well, let me not give the answer away. T- tell us yep. about your background first and how you came to this whole sort of body of work.
1: Yeah, so I, I wanted to be a monk since I was four or five years old. Went to school, graduated from university with a degree in engineering. As soon as I graduated, moved to Hawaii, where there's a traditional Hindu monastery. So lived as an ordained uh, Hindu monk. I know there's a lot of people that go stay somewhere and do a retreat for three months and say I'm a monk. And I'm like, seriously, you know, <laughs> if I carry a baby, doesn't make me a mom. <laughs> okay, you know. <laughs> so I lived as an ordained monk for 10 years. My vows expired, decided not to renew them. I left no longer a monk. I'm a Hindu priest. And as a Hindu priest, I can get married, have a family, work in McDonald's, be an entrepreneur. So Wait, I'm an back, entrepreneur. Back up for a
0: second. So you get in, when you're a Hindu monk, every, every 10 years, you have to decide whether or not you want to keep going. Is that how it works?
1: No, it's actually every two years. So every two years, your vows come up for renewal. You have the choice to renew them. And after about, 10 to 14 years of training then you take lifetime vows it's almost like you date and then you marry ah. unless you're in vegas where you marry and then you date but uh, <laughs> <Must> <laughs> to <Vegas>. so,
0: okay <laughs> exactly
1: that would be a fun movie it would. Uh, <laughs> but yeah so i i chose not to renew it the first fifth time around and then so i, I live as a priest and uh, i'm a hindu priest as an entrepreneur i work as an advisor to athletes and entrepreneurs helping them understand the mind and leverage that understanding and help them to focus so they can be good at what they do and uh, yeah and i used to live in new york for 11 years and then two years ago my wife and i moved down to costa rica and we're creating a spiritual sanctuary in a botanical garden over here uh, and that's where i'm currently
0: wow that's i mean for listeners, I'm sorry that you're not getting the view that I'm getting right now. Because as we're having our <laughs> nice normal book chat, I get to look at like the most lush, beautiful background with like the giant blue sky yeah. and
1: trees, and yeah. I
0: I feel like I'm going on vacation this podcast. So thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. Yeah. No, okay, yeah.
0: so in the book, you outline different tools that we can all use to live better lives, and I'm not going to say happier yeah. because you address this in the book that the pursuit of happiness. To, to achieve happiness, you have to do things that make your life worth living, thereby giving you happiness. You can't just try exactly. to run around and be happy. So talk to us yeah. all about that.
1: Yeah. So I always say never pursue happiness, rather pursue a lifestyle where the byproduct of the lifestyle results in happiness. So what? how can you design a life or structure a life where the majority of that life results in happiness. There's going to be a percentage of that life that's never going to be happy. The things that I do that don't make me happy, you know, whatever it may be. Hopefully not this. (laughs) Yeah, not this. This
0: conversation. But,
1: But no, but there's just things, you know, in everyone's life. Whatever it may be, you know, I have a, I have a four-year-old and, you know, when, when she was a baby, you know, we get up in the middle of the night to feed her or this or that. Yeah. Is it fun? No. You know, I, I'd rather be sleeping, but it's just part of life. But how do we design so the majority of life results in the feeling of happiness, contentment, joy, fulfillment? And that's really the key thing. And once we can identify those lifestyles, those things, then focus on them. Every time we get distracted, bring awareness back to those things. But the first step, first two steps is actually learning how to focus and then identifying those things and people, those lifestyles that result in the feeling of of happiness. And, and those two things kind of go hand in hand on that parallel.
0: I found in talking to peers and contemporaries about you know finding because I feel like I have found w- what gives my life meaning and thereby I am yeah. happier. And not every moment is great. I told I was summarizing this for my daughter, my younger daughter. I have four kids, and and she was like, "But mom, you're always like, I have so many emails, or like, I can't get all the stuff done." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but I'm actually happy underneath."
1: <laughs> yeah. You know? No, and I, I think the the big misconception to 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 kind of bring to the surface is that happiness is a state we're all going to be in and people look at me having lived as a monk for 10 years and you know doing this what i'm doing like you know you got your life all figured out you must be happy and blah 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 it's like no i i don't it's a constant striving it's a constant working to be more focused to gain more clarity of what's important who's important reviewing that working at it and striving it's not a state of you know, people put this bullshit posts on Instagram and social media, be happy, be present, you know, just be. I'm like, be what? You know, you, you got to be working at it all the time. So It's not a state of passiveness, of not doing anything. And that's what people mistake monastic life to be. It's not. I, All the monks I lived with, you know, some have been living there for 30, 40, 50 years uh, in a state of constantly working to overcome their lower nature, to to be a better human being, to strive to be better. No one was just being happy. They got cranky. They had to deal with emotions. They had to deal with body pains, emotional things that come up in life. A cranky monk or whatever it may be. (laughs) You know, we all have those things.
0: All right, let's Uh, let's amend (laughs) our movie to make it A Cranky Monk Goes to Vegas. I think we're getting this better.
1: I love it. I think it's going to be blockbuster.
0: (laughs) All right, you write that. You write that. I'll go watch it. There was just this whole study in in the New York Times yesterday, or maybe the journal, I don't know, about relationships. And of course, this is nothing really earth shattering and new, but just again, that they studied all these people over the lifespan and found out that the key to sort of overall feelings of worth and happiness were close relationships. And obviously the opposite of that was like shorter lifespan, loneliness, and all of that—that's not something you can necessarily work towards unless you have some sort of um, something that's already kind of good. Or recognizing the bad, like you can't just say for a lonely person to say, "Like I'm just not going to be lonely. I'm going to focus on better relationships." It's hard. Whereas saying, "I'm going to start a company" or "I'm going to do this" is something actionable, right? But it involves other people sort of entering into that with you. Yeah. So how do you use your tools to accomplish? that if you're trying to do that or should you not even pay attention to that?
1: Well, I, I think again going back to clarity of what are the things and who are the things, who are the people that bring you joy, fulfillment, uh, you know, contentment, identifying that's the first step. And then the second step really, you know, being able to focus on that, the third step is simplifying life to those people and those things. You know, your podcasters, you know, moms don't have have time to read books. You know, yes, I'm a parent and I'm actively engaged in my daughter's life. And I have only one child and you have four. I can imagine only more demands, more mass to feed. (laughs) But it's not that we're leading faster lives. It's we're doing too much. Mm. And we need to simplify. If you look at time being finite, being only 24 hours a day, And I also look at energy being finite because there is a point in time every night when I go, that's it, I'm spent. I have nothing left to give myself or anyone. I'm going to bed. So if my energy is finite, how am I dividing my finite energy throughout the day between everything and everyone in my life? And I give a simple analogy. If I have a garden bed and one watering can, I can water that garden bed and make everything in that garden bed grow. The following year, I add 99 more garden beds, but still one watering can, what's going to grow? Nothing. Because one watering can is not enough to water 100 garden beds. So as we look at our lives, ask ourselves, you know, we only have so much energy each day. I mean, you get exhausted at night, I'm assuming, or tired. At some yeah, point, but
0: but some t- at some point. Although last night I have to say yeah. it was like twelve thirty, and I was still going and going, and then like all my devices like ran out of juice, and I was like, if none of my devices can keep up with me, I have to just go to
1: bed. <laughs> yes, but the reality is that you couldn't do it every night, right? No,
0: no I don't do it every yeah.
1: night. Yeah, and look, I stayed up till one, two, three in the morning working on nights when I had to. But could I do it every single day, seven days? No, I could not. And I'm
0: not trying to glamorize that or brag about it. Like, I'm not proud of it. You know, I I prefer to go to bed at 10 o'clock and, like, watch TV with my husband or something. It's just that it's hard to make all that work. But I totally see
1: your point. No, so the point point is that we have a finite amount of energy. And if we can be clear who and what's important and simplify the number of garden beds in our life and just say Mm -hmm. each garden bed represented a person or a thing we wanted to invest in, you know, garden bed A, is your husband, garden A, garden bed B was the first child, second child, third mm-hmm, child. Mm-hmm. Then you think like, okay, I only have one watering can. How am I going to work, make this work? At some point, I'm going to run out of water. At some point in a day, I'm going to run out of energy. So how do we simplify our life? And Or you take the
0: gardens and you start subdividing and you get other people to help you like oversee with their watering cans. Other parts of your garden so that you have like a whole
1: estate. You could. (laughs) (laughs) As an analogy, yes, that that works fine. Look, we've planted four to 5,000 trees. I have guys watering plants out there. I I have an irrigation system that's taking care of the botanical garden. But the, the analogy with my own life and what I personally get involved in, who I get personally involved in, I need to constantly bring that number down. Yeah. Because I need to make sure if I want to nurture a relationship with my daughter, or with my wife, or a friend, I need to make sure I can dedicate sufficient time, I can de- dedicate sufficient energy mm-hmm. to nurture that. You know, I, I am not the guy that goes out when I'm traveling and have half an hour meetings back to back. I just don't do that. If I'm going to meet a friend, I'll sit down with him or her for two hours and wow. have a cup of coffee, glass of wine, chat. So this time. I want to invest. So rather than meeting 20 people while I'm traveling to London or Munich or wherever, maybe I'll meet two people and have two 2 hour long conversations because those are relationships I've chosen to invest in. Hmm. That becomes rewarding to me. That becomes fulfilling. I suppose like, okay, I got half an hour. How's it going? How's your family? How's your wife? Your kids? Good. How's business? <laughs> business is good. The next time, you feeling better now? Are you meeting your goals? Great. Okay, I got to go. It was really nice catching up with you. i'm like what the hell just happened (laughs) you know and and then you get so busy you're texting people emojis i get an emoji from someone happy new year with a little you know firecracker and i'm like well that tells me how much i mean to you one emoji (laughs) that's all the time you can spare for me is one emoji a firecracker emoji on new year's day you, you couldn't spend 15 seconds, because I know you can type fast on your phone. We all can. You couldn't spend 15 seconds to go, Happy New Year. I, I hope this year will be rewarding for you and fulfilling. and We have more clarity around your life if there's any way I can be of support. Or, you know, your friendship means a lot to me. And it will take like 20 seconds to write that down. But no, one emoji is good enough. Send it off. So I don't want to cultivate those. I don't want to go through life where my life is just a sense of emojis and 20-minute meetings. I want deeper relationships, more fulfilling relationships where I genuinely can have time. To do that, I need to be clear who and what's important. I need to simplify my life to that and actually focus on those things. I want to get to the end of my life and go, wow, I don't remember what the hell I did the last 80 years. You know? it just flew by uh, uh, and leave unfulfilled less is better always and especially less that's in alignment with you your values your guidelines your purpose that becomes rewarding and fulfilling
0: A month which is so much less than traditional therapy and you'll get a perfect therapist for you there are thirty-five thousand therapists to choose from so you'll find the right one get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com moms don't have time today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help slash moms don't have time but what if that's not as fulfilling to someone else like no
1: like, again it's a choice right it's a choice yeah nobody i had at a workshop somebody asked me in, in moscow I, I gave a little introduction of who i am my background and then i said we're going to start and it was called "Unwavering wavering focus this guy russian guy seeing the front row entrepreneur jumps up all emotional goes like why do i need to live a focused life why can't i be all over the place and do a million different things and why do i need to live a focused life i'm going like you don't have to this is a workshop for people who want to live a focused life. <laughs> I'm not sure why you're here. Why did you sign up for this? I'm not saying everybody has to live a focused life. You know, I don't go to a Chinese cooking class if I want to learn how to make Indian food. You know, where the hell did I turn up here? Why are you here? I'm not asking you to, you know, you you can do whatever the hell you want. It's your your life. But for those who are listening on this, you know, who <laughs> want to live a more rewarding life, to want to be more focused, so they can be more present, have more rewarding conversations, more rewarding time with the people and things that they love, tune in on this episode. <laughs> if you don't want to, totally cool. <laughs> people think it's like a blanket statement I'm making for everyone. I'm like, no, it's your life. Do whatever the hell you want with it.
0: Okay, but you have an underlying kind of argument that if you have yeah. deeper connections and more focus, you will feel more fulfilled, right? Yeah. Isn't that kind of the undercurrent, though, that you can make yeah. a choice, but it won't lead to as much fulfillment and satisfaction and as, as the other option, which you're presenting to us?
1: Exactly. And, and then you have the choice because some people might say, you know what, I don't really want a fulfilling life. I just want to skim the surface all the way to the end. I just want to be shallow all the way to the end. I don't want to go narrow and deep. For me, when I lived in the monastery and my guru trained me, there were only 27 monks in the monastery, so he personally trained his monastics. When he sat with me and gave me his, he was about 50 years older than me, and he gave me his undivided attention and I spoke and he listened, genuinely listened to every word that was coming out of my mouth. He wasn't texting, wasn't doing anything else. He was just completely present through his ability to focus. I felt so loved. I felt he actually cared what I was saying. I mean, like, holy crap, will you care? Why? You know, no one has. So, you know, I mean, you value what I have to say. He valued my presence. He valued my time. He valued my energy. He, what a, what a display of love, genuine love and care. And that experience year after year was so rewarding to me as, as a human being that now I do my best to do it with whoever I'm with. You know, if I'm talking to somebody in my team, my family, even a stranger, if I happen to talk, I give them my undivided attention to tell them, like, I am completely here with you. And I can do that because I can focus. When you're talking, I'm not drifting away and going like, I think I should get pizza tonight. Well, what did you say? (laughs) No, I, I am here and I'm listening to everything you're saying. And because I can be focused, I can be present. And then I can also have the ability to sense what you're not saying to me. Or maybe what you want to say to me that you may be afraid or struggling to say but you still want to share with me and I can better serve you, help you. My daughter comes up to me and she may not be able to articulate everything clearly, but I can sense because I can be completely present through my ability to focus what she may be feeling. She's sad or afraid and then I can choose how I want to respond to that. And that to me is fulfilling because now I'm creating a deeper relationship I'm, I'm no relationships but don't get me wrong but I just know that by being focused I, I can be present and by being present I can begin that process of creating a better relationship
0: wow well I feel like I'm being present with you do you you feel, are, do you feel a, how much I care and I'm paying attention
1: <laughs> I do I do you're doing an amazing job <laughs>
0: So does this excuse, does the fact that this all comes back to me, of course, does the fact I always focus when I'm doing podcasts. That's why I love it. I love being able to learn about someone and have no distraction, but Mm -hmm. I am guilty of the happy new year, one emoji thing with a lot of people, I have to say. So I think you, I think everyone, I guess it goes back to your point. Focusing doesn't have to mean that every relationship you have requires two hours of sit down right? I think no. you can be deep and intentional and focus for half an hour and get a lot out of that and not with everyone in your life,
1: right? And, and that's why simplification is critical, right? Because if you have a hundred people, how do you spend two hours with hundred people? But if you have fewer people, relationships you do want to cultivate that are, that it's a two-way street, then you can spend more time with those, those people and even things that you love, I love doing a lot of things. I love carpentry. I love gardening. I love this. I love that. I get to make a choice Mm -hmm. of what is more important to me. And then invest in that. And coming back to New Year, every New Year, I spent an hour and a half or so leaving voice messages to the people that mattered to me. And each each voice message was at least be a minute to two minutes long. I get on WhatsApp, which is my primary vehicle of communication, and I leave a WhatsApp message. I don't just say, hey, Happy New Year, you know, and then you click the little thing that explodes, so when they open the message, it's like sparkles and stuff. No, I leave a voice message and go like, hey, Joe, I'm checking in on you and Julie. How are you guys doing? And you guys want to let you know that last year, you know, we had dinner, and that was so wonderful, and I love the topics we talked about. You mentioned today about, you know, your your, your your mother-in-law, who's quite sick, and I hope she's doing better. Or you know, and just letting you know, that I'm thinking about you, and um, you know that I'm here if you ever want to reach out. You know, and I really hope that we can make plans to see each other this year, and just you're actually put some thought and energy into it.
0: You're a really good friend, obviously. Like you're that.
1: Well, I, I wanted to be right. My guru taught me through his example. He was a good friend to me. Mm-hmm. He showed that to take even two minutes out and be focused and present, like you said, can feel like 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be a two-hour call. It can be a half an hour in completely being focused, and that person feels like, oh, my God, I just felt like I sat with that person for two hours.
0: And what went on in your life before where you ended up becoming a monk who really could thrive on the attention and the love shared by this other monk like what in you needed that like what was there something missing before where did why were you drawn to that like where did that come from in you
1: that was not what i went to the monastery to learn that was one of the first tools he taught me in order to make progress on the spiritual path what drew me to the monastery was the that things in life are transient in nature, you know, and I realized that as a child, seven, eight years old, nine years old, I'm like, everything is created, it exists for a while, and then it goes away, and I go like, that freaking sucks, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember going to my cousin's birthday party, and all day my brothers and I excited, Then my parents drive us over to my cousin's house, I meet all my cousins, you know, we, we cake, play balloons, we chase each other around for four or five hours, while parents hang out and chat, and then we get in the car, we drive home, and I remember looking out the window thinking to myself, That's it, it ends. That sucks. Mom said, You know, we didn't grow out wealthy. Mom says, We're gonna go eat ice cream. That might be like once every six months or something. And we go out, eat ice cream, savor every drop, and then we go home, and it ends. And I'm like, What the hell is this game? You know, is it we just go through life just doing this over and over again? Is it a Truman show? I mean, this just seems mindless. What in life? It's the constant. What doesn't change in life? Is there a deeper meaning to it? It just seems kind of pointless that everybody just goes through the same process: go to school, graduate, get a job, get married, have kids, have grandkids, go on holidays, pay bills, get old, die. Okay, repeat again. Let's all just do the same thing, <laughs> you know, and just say that's life. And I, it just didn't make sense to me. There must be something more. I mean. Can we just stop and really think about this for a second? So that's what drew me to the monastery to find out what is there something more in life. And then these are the tools that I learned about understanding the mind and learning to focus because in, in the pursuit of finding, is there something more in life? We need the ability to focus. If I can't concentrate long enough, how can I stay on a subject to go deeper into it? And did you
0: find your answer?
1: yes
0: is there more to it
1: there is more to it
0: what, um, what is it
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well in the save me 10 years
0: save me 10 years of being a monk
1: <laughs> and just like yeah, lay it out yeah, well, lay it out for me here uh, shaving your head and everything the whole yeah i'd rest. rather
0: keep my hair but if you if yes. i could just know what the point of it all is that would be good uh,
1: and again, it's, it's based on the philosophy that you subscribe to. And again, it's not for everyone. Uh, and the philosophy that I subscribe to is that divinity or God is in everything. And we look at divinity in a very simplified way as pure energy permeating everything. You, me, the trees, the stones, everything. How can we go within us and experience that divinity inside of us? If we say divinity is pure energy, law of thermodynamic states, energy cannot be created or destroyed, but you can transform energy from one thing to another. Energy can change shapes, right, and change forms. But at the essence of it, it's still energy. How do we go within and experience divinity inside of us, the one thing that doesn't change, in where in its very essence, it's the purest form of us that exists in all things, all matter, everywhere that continues to function and and exists long after a physical body has died that has intelligence to it
0: so it's kind of the concept of the soul essentially yes
1: yes but the essence of the soul and, and not the outer layers of the soul puts on personalities and emotions and you know things like that how do we go to the essence of that soul which is divinity and you, believe are that,
0: and you believe that the soul and divinity lives on.
1: Yes. Uh, that soul, that divinity was never created or never be destroyed, always exists. Uh, and we can experience that divinity inside of us. It's not to be sought outside. I mean, we can experience it in nature and things, but the greatest experience is to experience it inside of us. That gifts strength to us that gives confidence to us that gives hope that life is just not these years that we're here on this planet that it continues beyond that my daughter at four is asking questions about death and dying you know she said to me the other day you know that i don't want you to die mm-hmm. you know but it's good to have that conversation it's good for her to understand a philosophy. Uh, understanding that yes, our physical body ceases to exist, but the soul inside of us, the pure energy, is never created or destroyed. The law of science.
0: Okay, I'm gonna go with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, I like it.
0: <laughs> I needed that. Thank you. And,
1: okay. And look, and look, you know that that's that's at a deeper level, you know, and and I and I rarely honestly talk about that because for me you know, I had somebody ask me the other day, so what kind of deeper philosophy do you believe that of finer dimensions and inner dimensions? And I said, like, look, you can talk about that till the cows come home. For me, it's like, how the hell do I get through my day and make sure I'm having a life that I can sustain and that is rewarding to me? For that, I would say, you know, break it down into a few steps, gain clarity of purpose, you know, let your purpose define your priorities. Like, Who and what is important in your life? And that's a basic question your listeners can ask themselves and write that down. Don't Mm -hmm. say family. What the hell does that mean? Who in your family, mom, dad, cousin, aunt, uncle, in-law, be specific. Mm -hmm. Second is learn to focus. The -hmm. book is there. Everything you need to know how to focus is in the book. Third step, simplify your life, simplify to those people and things That truly mattered because always remember finite time, finite energy. Yes, you can hire people to outsource things, but at the end of the day, you have a finite amount of energy in. And the key is not balance. I prefer to use the word proportionate, because a lot of times we say think balance life, right? Balance between work and life. I have not figured out how to live that. But proportionate means I can say, okay, 70% of my life is work, Mm -hmm. 30% I have to divide between me, my family, kids, whatever it is. Yes. So how do I carve it out in proportion as opposed to 50-50 because I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a reality. And then if you think in those three steps, uh, purpose, priorities, focus, and simplify, Mm -hmm. then now you can start creating a life. You have practical steps to actually follow to start creating a life that is more rewarding. And I use the word rewarding because that can mean more joyous, more uplifting, more fulfilling, more content, more peaceful, you know, harmonious, you know, dealing with people that constantly make you upset, angry, annoyed. What other it may (laughs) be, (laughs) right?
0: Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm sorry, I, I, we have to end because the podcast is only a certain amount. But I'm like, I'm getting the meaning of life here. Like, this is important. <laughs> this is changing how I view the world. But I got go to, to go call. to my next And I don't have to go to the monastery. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even have to go to the monastery. I got my view of Costa Rica right here. Anyway, I should be paying you for this. You know, you uh. <laughs> it's like I had a session or something. Anyway, okay. Dondapani that was amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, You're most um, welcome.
1: And thank you for a great conversation. And thank you for asking great questions. And thank you for being able to be focused.
0: Thank you. Happy New appreciate Year. appreciate
1: that. Happy New Year. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.